Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. I'm your host, Todd Burrows, and we are going to once again do our ADP report. Um, Training camp is a great time to do it. This is the time, I I think I wrote on Twitter the other day, that these two weeks, week and a half uh, before we start getting preseason games, is really the worst time of the year as it comes um, as it has to deal with information. In other words, we've got real situations. We've got uh, a lot of reports that, you know, everyone and their mother is the greatest guy to ever lace up, uh, you know, on the football field. And then they're the worst guy two seconds later. I mean, we've got a lot of conflicting information. So I brought back my two main guests uh, who we talk about ADP with. Uh, Dan Williamson and Mike uh, Oliva, and uh, we're going to go through some of the most important situations and find out if the boys are buying or selling or holding um, and try and give you an idea of where we think the value is for these players, when we're going to consider taking them, and when we're going to hold off on it. And, of course, all this is done for the benefit of fanball, We are talking strictly MFL 10s with our strategies, and this podcast is brought to you by Fanball, home of the MFL 10s. More states, more options, more fun. Get in the game, folks. Um, I actually have a private league right now, and I think there's still three or four open spots. Uh, Put in the the passcode Let's Go, L-E-T-S-G-O, and uh, hey, Aliva, uh, Williamson, get in there. I want to fill this thing. Um, anyway, um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna welcome the boys in and uh, welcome, boys. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. How are you doing? Uh, it was one of the more stressful vacations I've ever had. I, I'm so far behind on everything. I owe like, you know, if you're a guy who I promised that we were going to do an SFB8 pod, I'm going to get to it. If you're someone I promised something else, I'll get to it. I'm just between work and raising a kid by myself the last nine weeks. Uh, I am swamped. Um, Did I give you more to that answer than you were probably hoping for? No, it's just that time of year. I mean, it seems like late summer, everything goes into overdrive. So I, I, I totally get that. And how about you, Mike? Are you pretty much the same? I don't know. I think my heavy season just ended once I moved back east. I think uh, getting ready for the move was tough. But uh, now that I'm back and settled into the normal world of the East Coast as opposed to living in the mountains of Utah, uh, my world's pretty great right now. So. He actually nice. lives 11 blocks away from my best friend. So it uh, looks like me and Mike are going to have to. I know Gleb Gorkover wanted to get together in the city. We, we need to, Mike, we need to set up a uh, a New York fantasy conference and invite anyone Absolutely. who wants to come for, for a couple That's of drinks. That's something we should get. 
Yeah, we should get on that. Yep. All right. So let's uh, you know let's get into the the news and let's get to some of these situations. Uh, but you know before we do that, I want to talk about the main topic that I already broached, which is how do you stay sane and what do you trust when it comes to the flood? You know, we we came out of the desert where we had no news basically for two months. And that created one set, one set of challenges, and now it's just the opposite. We've got this diarrhea flood of information coming. We've got... Um, on the clock. Guess who's on the clock, guys? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it said you have a big cock. Wait, no, it said you were on the clock. Sorry, Sam. Better luck next time. <laughs> You can't even win with a computer. Um, And I programmed it to say that now. Um, But but by the way, I just I just hopped in your uh, your MFL draft. So what am I down to? I need what three three more guys. We need two more. Two more. Two more. All right. Well, um, if you know, I I, it looks like I get a decent amount of listens to this pod, but uh, jump on in. I know Ryan, that guy Ryan, who's who's one of the really smart guys who was under the radar, and now he's come out from under his rock this year. Um, oh, yeah. He's, uh, and, and I say that in the best way, he's a, he's another really smart guy. i got to get him on the show. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. But, but he's in there. There's definitely some good guys in there. So if you want to take on me and Dan and maybe Mike, if he can. Yeah, I'll jump in. <laughs> All right. So back to the story. I'm in a goofy mood, guys. Just you're gonna to have to bear with me today. Um, overall, how do you stay sane, and what do you trust when it comes to the news out of camps? Um, like one guy that uh, I'm just gonna use this as an example is Dante Pettis. I've seen like 15 blurbs about how he's just dominating camp, and then I saw one blurb that said he's disappointing. I mean, it's just crazy that. You know, the beat writers, one has one opinion, one has another. You know, Dan, we'll start with you. How do you deal with the flood of information that's coming out at this time? Well, the first thing I do is I run it through my uh, training camp um, grade inflation reducer because basically the grading scale in training camp is A+, A, A-, and F. And that's really all there is. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if somebody's and, an A+. Plus, do, do you also you, put it through the Pete Carroll bullshit meter? <laughs> yes, if Pete Carroll is involved, I definitely do. <laughs> the only time I believe Pete Carroll is when it's something that's not positive. I, I, I said this on the road of his. Yeah, everybody on his pod. team is like, you know, Shitting gold ingots and pissing champagne. So yeah, and 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 then with uh, Doug Baldwin, what really jumped out at me, and we'll get to Doug Baldwin, but what really got to me is when he's he didn't blow smoke about Baldwin. He admitted that it was kind of an issue, and you know that that's like you know him saying that it's kind of an issue is like right. another guy right. saying that oh you know his knee was decapitated. I mean you know for Pete Carroll to say anything negative, and that's the thing, you know, so there's one example of how I do it. It's based on knowing the, the, the source, right? And with Pete Carroll, if he's positive about someone, I, I just can't take it serious. i got to wait until I actually see him favoring this guy during games. But if, if Pete Carroll says something negative, because it's so rare that he does it, it, it really caught my attention with Baldwin. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just kind of assuming status quo for all the Seahawks other than Baldwin. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of news about you know, oh, Chris Carson this, Chris Carson that, and uh, he's going to be the lead back and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I I don't really buy any of that. It's uh, you know, I think it's just like it was before that Penny is probably going to get the majority of the touches, and you know. Carson's going to have a role, and whoever else uh, might have a role, but we don't know. 
Yeah, I have not been buying that situation, and, and again, I don't want to get into that quite yet. Let me let me take yep. it over to Mike. Mike, how how do you deal with the flood of information? So basically, I'm just selective. So, you know, if somebody when when people talk about a guy looking good, you know, he's a professional athlete. He should look good. Uh, they talk that somebody's not doing well. They don't have their camp legs under them yet. Well, there's some rust. It's still August. I'm not concerned. Really, the only thing I care about is when they talk about um, certain players playing with the ones. That matters to me. So when they're talking about, like, in Indianapolis with Jordan Wilson now playing with the ones, you know, the idea that this guy who could have a role on a, on a team that doesn't really have a legit starting running back, now you've got my attention. So it's really I don't care about who looks good and who looks bad. I care about who's getting more snaps with the first unit because that leads me to believe that that person might be out there with that first team. They might be in a in a potential role as a starter, and to me, that's important. There you go, boom. Uh, that that's that is outstanding advice, and it's one of the things that I do. That's actionable, and that's and that I guess that's my point. You have to sort the news between what's actionable. And what's opinion, right? A, a guy running every day with the first team. Like I just saw that John Ross opened up as the number two receiver. That's actionable, right? Exactly. And you know, and they and they let Brandon LaFell go. So that's actionable. The other thing I listen for is the steady drumbeat, right? You know, if I heard in minicamp like last year with Kenny Galladay. I was I, I poo pooed it, I poo pooed it, I poo pooed it, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, he's in camp and it, and they're still going wild over this guy. It, then it got my attention, but more than that, it got me to realize that all the more I needed to look for that steady drumbeat. I know uh, it was on Kevin the Engineer's pod. Um, I forget who the guest was where they talked about that. I apologize, I don't remember to give credit. But I know it was on Kevin the Engineer's pod. That steady drumbeat I listen for, and 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 I think you're right. You gotta dis, you gotta discern actionable from non-actionable stuff. Uh, would you agree with that, Mike? Yeah, I mean because at this point, I don't care who looks good. You know, like for example, you mentioned Dante Pettis. You know, I've heard mixed things, but I've heard a lot of good things. But the reality is, if he's not running with the ones, it doesn't matter to me. I could not care less that he looks fantastic for a rookie playing with third-teamers who might not make the 53. So, to me, I want to know who's running with the ones, who's getting those starting reps, who, who the coaches actually think is going to be a major contributor. Um, because everybody else really doesn't matter. Yep. And the other thing for me is, you know, I count it as double – when a coach says something and then his actions actually back it up, right? That's like a four time. It's two things, but it means like four to me. In other words, if a coach says that, you know, so-and-so is underperforming and then he runs him with the, you know, or we can't trust him. Uh, or, uh, here's a good example. Chris Thompson, right? Gruden always says, I really don't love playing him too much. And then when you watch the games, you see that the, that's not just words. So that, to me, means I don't care how good Chris Thompson is. I can't give a sixth, seventh-round pick to a guy who's just a third down back who they also want to limit his snaps. Um, Dan, your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, start just to start with, I have a hard time paying for scat backs, you know, with with uh, single digit picks. I mean, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth round. To me, you're a lot better off to be prospecting down in the later rounds for, you know, like the Naheem Hines or uh, Matt Breeder or Austin Eckler or somebody Justin Jackson, any of those guys, uh, because those are the guys who, if they if they do get that role, can pay it off. Uh, when you're spending a sixth, seventh, eighth round pick on uh, you know somebody who's primarily catching passes, they better catch a lot of passes, or you're not going to pay off that ADP. 
Yeah. I. Uh, all right. Quick. Let's go through it quickly. Um, Tarek Cohn. How much you got of him, Dan? Uh, almost none. Zero or one, probably. <laughs> I've got one out of like 150. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Um, I have. I want to say a decent amount. Um, let me just pull them up here. I'm at 7.6%. So, well, um, and, I, and you know what? I, I, I find it hard to get on anyone's case for who drafts a dynamic player at even weight because yep. it's not going to hurt you too much. Like yeah, I have yeah. even or less is where you want to be. I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, that's one where I actually get nervous that I've got, you know, one share because, but, you know, I, I think I'm right that it's too early for him, but I know Joe Pano loves him and Joe is like a savant with picking these guys. Um, And Mike, you know, so it's, it's, it's like Tyreek Hill last year. I wasn't buying in the fifth round, but it turns out I was wrong. Um, if it happens again with Tarek this year, I'm going to have to make a note to be more open to those types of dynamic, you know, not heavy volume little guys. But the difference is I don't think Tarek's going to be on the field all the time where Tyreek was on the field all the time. Right. So the, The thing that gave me pause is that Nagy's talked about their running game being game plan specific. Um and if you believe that Chicago is going to trail frequently, which in that division, I think they will, um, that would lead you to believe that Cohen's going to be out there just as much as Henry and, and definitely more in those tougher games. Um, you mean how? They're likely to be trailing. So, I mean, that to me gives him that, that upside to be more than just a gadget player. Yeah. That, yep. I, yep. I mean, uh, look, again, you know, but I, I, I overall, I agree with Dan. You know, that's the kind of guy that I want to catch lightning in the bottle with in the 15th round. Um, the guy who looks to have a third down role uh, locked up and is going to, you know, if there's an injury, if he plays real well, he also could get some first and second down. And then, you're, you know, you're cooking with fire. Uh, a guy in the seventh round, um, you know, I mean, he's going before – Jamal Williams, he's going before Aaron Jones. So that leads me to one of our topics today, so we might as well get into it. Um, Green Bay Packers, Mike, you're not on those running backs, and I am. Um, I've got, I'm way overweight on Aaron Jones. He's one of my most known guys. I've got, uh, and I've got like 12% each of Monty and Jamal Williams. I think they're going so late that one of them is going to have a really good year, I think. And I don't mind losing out on one of them if I can crush it with the other one. Um, you know, at, at that you know twelve to twenty percent ownership. What 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 is your reasoning behind not being on the pack of running backs? And then we'll let Dan decide which one of us is right. So, I mean, if you look at my exposure, uh, Jamal Williams, I'm at 3%. Uh, I have literally zero shares of Aaron Jones, and I'm at about 13% of Ty Montgomery. Um, I like Montgomery. I think that they're going to use him um, as a third down back. I think he's going to get flexed out into the slot and sometimes even running wide. Um, So I think we're going to see a lot of Montgomery. The reason I stayed away from Jones and Williams is largely because I have no idea which one is going to do anything. Um, Jones has a suspension, which makes me a little more leery of him. But the reality is I have no idea which one of them is going to get the job. And they're not exactly cheap. I mean, they're going in the eighth and ninth round, and there are a lot of guys I still like there. There's a lot of quarterbacks falling into that range these days. And if you give me the option to take a Brady or a Cam or a Breeze um, versus a Green Bay running back who may not even play, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the solid quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it, again, I, I've been I've been running into 
a ton of late picks and drafts. I mean, I, I would say, you know, I've been five, six, or later on most of my picks the last 30 to 50 drafts. So I end up a lot of times with a bunch of wide receivers early. And, and again, Cam and uh, Brady are my number one and two owned uh, quarterbacks. But I, I just feel like these guys, you know, one of them's, you know, the eighth round for, you know, it, let's say one of them gets hurt and the other one, you know, he can, he can pay off second, third round value. In that offense, oh, uh, you know, uh, so so my feeling is, let's say I had 15% of each, and I don't. I've got more of Jones than I do of Williams, um, and I think Monty is different. But my feeling is if I lose 12%, let's say Jones, uh, you know, ends up on the bench, and I got 18%, and he, he, he only has a couple good weeks. Um, and, but my 12% of Williams he 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 gives me third round value. I would trade, you know, fifteen percent of. You understand the math that I'm uh, and how I'm explaining oh, yeah. it, uh, Dan. Oh, yeah. What what's your what, yeah. what's your thoughts on on that? Because in general, I hate I hate you know I won't stack cuff too often, three way situations. But I feel like Monty is going to be more you know out at wide receiver a lot too. Uh, but you know, in but I, I just feel like one of these guys. You know, I feel it's worth the risk. On, uh, and Jones, since he got that, uh, was it a, a suspension? Two game suspension two was suspension. it? Yeah, yeah, two games. Yeah, I, I mean his ADP has dropped uh, uh, pretty good. I mean you can find him in the tenth round now. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, and you know where I'm at right now is I've got about fifteen percent of Montgomery. I've got about uh 8% I think it is. Yeah, 8% of uh Aaron Jones. I've got 6% on Jamal Williams. And kind of my reasoning on that is with Montgomery, he kind of has a role unto himself as the third down back. Uh and McCarthy's been very um uh, consistent about saying that's that's kind of his role. And I do think he is going to get split out and used in uh, some receiver packages as well. So he's got a route to touches that kind of doesn't really have that much to do with the other two. So, And he's also the cheapest of the three. And so for those reasons, I'm buying in on Montgomery. Uh, the reason why I'm probably a little bit lighter on the other two is, number one, uh, you know, <laughs> Packer running backs are just in general to me uh, – very iffy assets because basically you get down to the goal line. Aaron Rodgers wants those stats for himself. He wants the touchdown pass. He does not really want to be handing the ball off and letting somebody else get the glory. I mean, it's, I know I'm a Vikings fan, and so I might be a little bit jaded, a little bit uh, no, biased. But, no, uh, <laughs> not at all. No. But, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is just that kind of person who – he would much rather get the glory himself than uh, give it to anybody else. So, well, that's where here's I'm at. My, my my last thought on this. I've got tw- I'm up to twenty percent on Jones, and I feel like he is he's he's the most talented of the three, right? Yeah, there's no I doubt mean, about that. I mean, you take a look that, at yeah. it has um, you know it, it is metrics, and I mean the guy's off the charts. He really is. Yeah, and he can make big plays, which if he runs for a 50-yard touchdown, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a chance not to hand it off to him, um, you know, on the two-yard line. So, um, I, again, I just, I, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in putting investments in really talented guys because I feel like, you know, I've did, done that article on Warren Buffett and how Warren Buffett likes to buy companies that have durable assets when they're underpriced. Well, you know what? Aaron Jones showed the talent that he was the most talented back on that team last year. And oh, there's no question about that. And one, and, and one so other thought. I, you know, 20%, like in the eighth, you know, my average ADP on him is 92 so that's right around his current ADP. So, 
you know, that's nine, eight times 12. It's the end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth round. You know, right. I just feel like on those 20% of teams, is that going to kill my team if he only, you know, I think, in other words, I think he has a pretty good shot of paying off that floor. Yeah, and and really he might. You know, my main and concern with Jones is just it. is just the fact that Mike McCarthy has, you know, he he has a crush on Jamal Williams. For whatever reason, he likes him. I think it's because it reminds him of uh, James Starks, who is another completely unathletic running back who is just a guy. Williams who can you block fed him up. enough, you know. Boy, the bitterness is—I mean, it's just palpable. Um, is it so? Isn't it? But but you know the 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 interesting thing to me, and we'll, and we'll leave it here again. You know, I like hedging. You know, I don't. You know, twenty percent isn't a ton. You know, it it's it seems like it is, but it, it really you know, if you lose your, let's say he gets hurt, you could still win probably eight to ten percent of those teams just with him being hurt. Uh, you know, in the end of the eighth, beginning of the ninth round. And if he hits value, well, he hits value. But I like taking bets on guys who can crush value. And right. I think he's got it in his portfolio to crush value. So that, that that's my final thought on that one. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm trying to stay kind of even weight on Jones. Yeah. And, and you know what? There's plenty of really talented guys that I choose to do that with. Um, right. the, the the issue is because running backs are going just ridiculously high, I, I wouldn't say he's a great value, but he's not a shitty value. And, right. you know, I think all these rookie running backs like Ronald Jones in the fifth and Royce Freeman in the sixth, I mean, you know, you, you, you really need them to win the job to pay that off, right? And there's a good chance, especially Ronald Jones, he's very inconsistent. There's a good chance that Peyton Barber's the starter, right, for the first half of the year. Um, right. So I guess beyond just everything else, in this year, I find that the the Packers running backs are less egregious than some of the other options. Um, my only complaint is that I probably took Jones a few times over Burkhead, and I wish I had those picks back. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I just want to add on to a thought while we're talking about the rookie running backs. Um, you know, something I don't really see people talk about very much, but um, it's something I try to pay attention to, which is, um, you know, when the touches are likely to come during the year. Like, with the rookie running backs, uh, they – they a lot of times tend to be a little bit more backloaded. In other words, in the early part of the year, they're not doing a whole lot for you. But then, you know, after a few weeks, they kind of, you know, they hit their stride a little bit, and they start showing out and proving why they were drafted uh, where they were. And all of a sudden, they start getting a lot more touches. So what I like to do is I like to balance that out. Like if I'm taking a couple rookies on a team, I'm going to take somebody like Marshawn Lynch, you know, or uh, Isaiah Crowell, and kind or of balance Jamal it out Williams, because I think they're going to get touches early weeks. in the year. Right. Right. No, I I like that. I, yeah, I and that's too. a great. I haven't been doing that, but that's a really great thought for everyone out there about how to balance. You know, I I always talk about balancing your risk. You know, and yep. making sure you've got risk on every team, but not too much risk and that you've got a good bit of risk overall in your portfolio, but not too much, this is a great way to balance risk. Um, and, you know, but I, I just, you know, I, I, it's just a hunch, but the way life tends to work, and if I, look, if I get one of the first four picks, I'm taking a running back. You know, 90, 95, I took a couple ABs because I was way underweight, uh, but, I feel like that if you don't get, you know, one of the top four or Camara, it it really, you know, seems to me that the way to hedge against those four top picks 
is to hope that there's a bunch of injuries and inconsistency among the top four. And, you know, we've had a couple years in a row where the top running backs haven't gotten hurt. So rather than taking a second-tier guy like a Gordon, who I have a lot of concerns about, or Hunt, who I have a good bit of concerns about this year, at the top of the range, I'll take those wide receivers because I feel like not only am I getting um, pr- probably a better player than you know those running backs I mentioned, but I'm also getting um, a way to counterbalance those top four running backs. Make sense? Yeah, so it does. I well, mean, I'm. You know, I, I okay, have less ahead, concerns Jeff. about Gordon and Hunt than you do, but if you've got concerns, then that's exactly the way you want to play it. Mike? I've been going a lot with the – I'm a big fan of Hunt and Gordon this year. Um, Gordon's got a, the best offensive line he's ever worked with. And, you know, without Hunter Henry, I think he's getting a lot more targets, which is always a good thing. Hunt, they want to get more involved in the passing game, even had 53 receptions last year. Um, so both of those guys I'm, I'm actually cool with. I've actually been starting, unless those guys are gone, um, I'm trying to start running back, running back, um, if I can. If I get right. one of the big four, Kamara, Hunt, Gordon, Fournette, uh, early second, uh, down to Dalvin Cook and McCaffrey. Um, if I can get two of those guys, I'm pretty happy. Um, just because running back feels like it dries up very quickly. Yeah, and and I get that, but again, it's because everyone seems to be doing that that I'm loading up on a lot of zero running back teams on if I don't get a top five or six pick. Um, I, my number one uh, vo- uh, volume player uh, out of the first round picks is uh, Hopkins. I mean, you can take him anywhere from the sixth pick to the ninth pick. You can find him sometimes going, you know, ninth, but six through eight. Um, I mean, I just went through like a month where I had a lot of six through eight, and Hopkins was always there. So, uh, yep. you know, like one of my dream starts is Hopkins followed by Keenan Allen. I'm really big on Keenan Allen this year. Um, you know, you want to talk about Hunter Henry going down. Um, I own a lot of Tyrell Williams because it's easier to get Tyrell. But if I could have 20, 23% of Keenan Allen, I would do it. Sure, there's the injury risk, but um, I really feel like Keenan Allen has it in his, you know, if something happens to uh, to Antonio Brown, I, I think Keenan Allen has, uh, that. that's one of my bold calls, That uh, is that Keenan Allen is the number one wide receiver this year. Woo! Spicy. Wow. <laughs> I'm processing um, that one. You know, it's not too crazy. He was over a hundred. He was over a hundred catches last year. You know, a little positive TD regression. He, he'll be right in there. Well, and I and, agree. And I think he will. And, he'll yeah, be right in there. I, yeah. So, uh, I, if you can, if I can start with those two, and then in the third round get either Tyreek Hill or uh, see what you know, like Hill and Hilton. What's great about those guys is, you know, first you got those killer every week wide receivers where you can count on them for a lot of points. And that takes a lot of my concern away of having a Hill or a Hilton with their inconsistency. And, you know, so if you get three or four 30 point weeks out of those guys as a third wide receiver, I think you've, you know, and and, and then you can figure it out with running back later. I, I think you've kind of uh, lapped the field. So let's let's move on because we got a lot of big news and a lot of other situations to hit on. Uh, most of them seemingly on the Patriots, but uh, Sony Michelle uh, had some uh, surgery and he is going to miss the preseason. Now they're saying he's going to be back for the week one, but you, you just don't know with these things. Um, I want to ask you guys, we'll start with Dan, um, where would you start taking Michelle again if he drops, and where do you stop taking Burkhead if he goes too high? Well, I think I'm going to, I'm 
probably going to essentially flop them in my rankings. Uh, you know, and I was taking Michelle um, from kind of the, the mid-fifth onward. You know, uh, a lot of times he was taken before that, but, you know, and I was okay with just letting him go if he got taken before that. But, you know, if I had a, a pick in the back half of the fifth round, I would, uh, you know, Michelle was somebody I was definitely considering. Burkhead, on the other hand, I was taking him, uh, you know, kind of from the mid-sixth onward. And so I think I'd just kind of flop that. I think I'd be looking at uh, Burkhead, you know, from, you know, mid-fifth onward, and I think I'd be looking at Michelle from mid-sixth onward. Mike? Um, I I think I'd be a little more conservative with Michelle. So, you know, Burkhead's a guy that I'm sitting on uh, about 11.5%, but 78% of that come in the last month. So I've got him in 18 leagues, and 14 of them I've added in the last month. So I've oh, been wow. a big box lately in the in the sixth round, seventh round, any time he falls to the seventh, it's an auto pick. Um, yes. I would move Burkhead up to the mid-fifth. So I'm, I agree with Dan on that one. Uh, Michelle drops for me probably into an area where, where I'll never get him. Um, to me, he's now about a ninth, eighth to ninth round guy. Um, the bone-on-bone bone is a chronic thing. People said in the draft that he may not make it to his second contract. Um, I think we're starting to see this. This wasn't uh, based off of an injury. This is just wear and tear on the knee. Um, I think you couple that with the fact that it's bound to reoccur. He's missing out on time learning the complex New England playbook with Brady. Um, he's going to be rusted when he comes back. He could go out again. Uh, he's still got that fumbling issue that we know Belichick is not a big proponent of. Um, a lot of uncertainty with him. And for me to to take him ahead of basically guys going in the seventh and eighth would be really tough at this point. So I'm, I'm probably looking in the mid to late eighth as the earliest for him, and I doubt he's ever going to get there. So I'm likely done with my Sony Michelle for the year. Yeah, I uh I'm 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 close to where Mike is on Michelle. I think I, I again, depending on who else is there, I would at least consider him in the 7th round, but uh, you're right. I probably wouldn't take him to the end of that round. Uh Burkhead, once he gets into the 5th round, I'm uh, I'm pretty much done. Um he he he, he I mean, he gets dinged really easy. I know that's not something you can count on, but uh, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle to take him in the fifth round. And a guy that I st- haven't drafted in two months, and I still have nine percent of is Jeremy Hill. And I took him again today. I really believe that Bill Belichick wants a short yardage back on the team. That's why they brought Hill, the one thing he's good at. You know, it's like if he was a a superhero, his one superpower would be being able to convert short yardage and touchdowns. He did it every year. He's good at it. Um, I think the reason Gillisley didn't stay on the field was because he failed on a couple of those situations. And I think all the more with Sony Michelle possibly missing a couple weeks in the beginning of the season – um, if they're going to have to count on Burkhead to play a lot, I don't think they're going to want him to be the short yardage back too. And uh, I think if Hill, you know, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for Hill to actually get revitalized in New England. They just seem to have a way of getting these running backs to play better than they did anywhere else. Um, I, I think Hill is a really good late pick especially maybe if you do have a Burkhead on your team. Uh, what's your thoughts? Let's go to you, Mike, first on uh, Jeremy Hill. Any interest? Am I crazy? No, I actually like the idea. Um, as a running back five, um, you know, I really don't see the downside in the 18th to 20th round. You, you're really at that point just throwing darts and hoping one of them hits something. And the goal line back to the Patriots is definitely something to throw a dart at. Um, you know, I, I definitely could see him in that role. He was always good in that role, even when he was bad at everything else in Cincinnati. 
And to your point, if it really comes down to Burkhead being the big guy between 20 um, and also splitting out wide because they have holes at wide receiver, you know, if Burkhead is really the guy who's going to stop the dam from overflowing in nine different places, you probably don't want him running on fourth and one or first and goal. Um, so I could see them delegating that role to Hill, and I can see him being successful in it. Um, as a 19th, 20th rounder, there's really nothing to lose. I mean, that's usually RB5, 20th round, is where I basically fire darts at people like Darren Spool, Kayvon Austin, uh, Taiwan Taylor, Eric Decker. Um, you know, so I'm comfortable throwing Jeremy Hill into that roulette wheel and just hoping, you know, hoping it lands on him. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I think he's a great, you know, he's a fine late round dart throw. I'm generally trying to be done with running back before I get to that point, but, you know, sometimes I'm not. I typically so. would take him as a six, not a fifth. You know, right. I, yeah. I would pass on that third defense and use him as a sixth running back. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, it. like I say, most of the time I try to be done by then, but sometimes I'm not. And when I'm not, you know, he's definitely going to be somebody I consider. You know, the one person we haven't really talked about is uh, James White. And I think, uh, you know, I, I've got like almost 0% of James White, which has Me been too. something that, you know. He, he only I, does I'm well just, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. But, you know, with with Michelle out, uh, you know, at least for the preseason, and who knows, you know, I think he's a guy who becomes a worthwhile dart throw in the, you know, the 10th, 11th round, uh, something like that, because they, you know, Burkhead is a guy you just can't overwork. Uh, you know, he's he's always had issues handling uh, a lot of volume, and so I think they're going to have to, you know, because of that, if Michelle is out, then it's going to have to be white. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the other position on the team. Um, I know, Mike, you're buying Chris Hogan. Um, Dan, you're not buying Julian Edelman. And, Dan, you are buying Chris Hogan at ADP. Uh, Mike, uh, well, Dan, you got two of those. So we're going to let you handle that wide receiver position. And is there any hope for my boy, Malcolm Mitchell? <sighs> no. Uh, can we move on? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Let's just. Let's just say that uh, Mal- Malcolm Mitchell has developed a, a, a long tradition of disappointing fantasy enthusiasts, and I expect that tradition to continue. Um, that said, you know, Hogan I'm buying because you know during the first four weeks he's going to get the volume. I mean, you know, he's somebody you can count on for touches during the first four weeks at least. And then you look at Edelman. Here's a guy who hasn't played in over a year. He's just been suspended you know, popped for PEDs. Uh, gee, I wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that he's trying to come back from a traumatic injury. And, you know, at 32 years old, hasn't played in over a year, popped for PEDs, and we expect he's just going to pick up right where he left off. Um, no. All right. So, uh, Mike, you take the, that wide receiver position. So, Hogan, in the last month, I've added 20 shares, bring me to 28.5%. Uh, so he's currently my number two wide receiver tied with Marvin Jones uh, so behind jealous. Albert Wilson. So, so that's, I am a little too. Not about, not about Albert Wilson. I told you about Albert Wilson, and you got <laughs> me on – you and Ryan Lynx got me on Albert Wilson, you bastards. And, yeah, uh, you, got me out of you know, guys, I, you and, and, and what kills me, what kills me is that, <laughs> uh, you know, that for all the reasons I was telling you that we shouldn't be drafting him is what's going on right now. But, We're you know, the season's not over yet. You guys, you guys hypnotized me and I, I am, I'm very offended. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm taking it personally that I'm at 13% Hogan and 14% Wilson, so. Um uh, that that is that is changing though. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at so I'm now at twenty eight and a half percent Hogan. Um 
as I said, my number two guy. I got, like, no Hogan. Um, Look, Hogan was a wide receiver seven when he was healthy last year. Um, You know, I thought his ADP was way too low when it was the 11th round. I thought it was too low when it was the ninth. I think it's too low now that it's the mid-sixth to mid-seventh. I mean, I don't know what this guy has to do. He's going to be the number one target on the best passing offense, playing with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, he's still... Number two target, but yes. Uh, yeah, number two. Um, Gronk. still floating along in the sixth or seventh round. Um, you know, he was a wide he was a wide receiver seven last year when he was healthy. This guy can do it. And that was yeah. risk And, you know. Well, you just mentioned the cook. healthy thing, though. I mean, he, him and Burkhead yeah. both. They, you know, it's not, uh, you know, again, it's injuries are hard to predict, but certain guys just seem to get dinged. You know, it's, you know, where I, where I blow off injuries is when it's uh, a major injuries, right? That That's just bad luck. But guys who constantly are dinged up and can't stay on the field because they got whacked and they're, you know, um, uh, that, yeah. that's, that, that's a little more – Burkhead and Hogan, both of them just seem to get dinged up a lot. And Well, they've, and they both play in a very dangerous area of the field, and that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and look, I, uh, you know, but the other thing for me is I've got a weakness. I need to go to, like, Drafters Anonymous because when I – you know, Hogan was one of my most drafted people last year. And when I get used to drafting someone in the 16th round, it's hard, or 18th round, or sometimes 20th round last year, it's just hard to draft them in the 8th or the 7th. And I didn't yeah. do my due diligence, and it's not, it's, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see that. I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to pay the iron price, but, um, you know, Again, you just got to look at the situation. You got to say, you know what? If this guy stays healthy, he's he's just a lock to pay off. And yeah, every yeah. week that he's healthy, he's a lock to pay off. And you just, you know, uh, because if you could if you could say, okay, Hogan is going to be Tom Brady's number two target for the entire season, what is that worth? To me, that's worth about a third round pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Except that Edelman will come back and probably be right. I said, two after but four I weeks. said if you could say he was going to be, uh, you know, the number two target for the entire year, that would be worth a third round pick. Obviously, we have to discount him some for that because of Edelman, because of there is injury risk and so forth. But, but you know, he's a guy that when he's on, you know, any week that he plays, he's probably returning third round value for you. Yeah, I. You know, I've got uh, I got so much Brady that I don't feel so bad about not having a lot of Hogan, and yeah, uh, that that helps. You know, I'm 17% on Brady, which is about as much. You know, plus I've got that's just MFLs. I've got them in, you know, plenty. I got them in uh, in in, in FFPC. Is there anything besides MFLs? I thought that's all we talk about. (laughs) Oh shoot! I just got fired. All right, let's move on to Seattle, boys. Um, you know, we we talked about it. Um, you know, I talked about, you know, Pete Carroll will blow. You know, I said this when they drafted Penny. I told everyone, don't get too overexcited because Pete is, you know, Pete's like an adrenaline junkie. And, you know, they had to have, you know, look, you know, that's another thing that I've been really focusing on a lot lately is, um, I know I have what big one. Just stop mentioning it. Um, you, you guys didn't hear that one, did you? I, um, I did. Okay. I tried to ignore um, it. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes people confuse something that's a little bit of an edge for something that is like the Bible. So what I, what do I mean by that? All right. They dra- – they, 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 um, they moved up to get Penny. I think that means something. Um, but it's not everything, right? Like, I had people that I was arguing with about Penny 
I was saying, look, the, the knock on the guys, he can't block. They don't have a good offensive line. Their defense is going to be way worse. You, you're not going to let Penny get Wilson killed just because you traded up for him, right? That That's, you know, and so, and then Maybe, part of I the mean, news, you know, they, and pa- part of, part it, of though, the news is, on Carson, though, is that he can block. So right. I, I guess, but, but in general, the other one is, well, they paid so-and-so a lot of money. Well, yeah, in free agency, if you want a guy, sometimes you have to overpay for him. That doesn't mean he's worth it. Well, they gave right. him $29 million. That's 29 million reasons he's going to be playing. Well, at, But at the end of the day, these players still have to be good to stay on the field. That stuff will break ties. It'll get you on the field. But if you don't pay off, there are some coaches that are dumb enough not to, it doesn't matter. But I guess my point is, don't confuse a little edge for a big edge. And so I am off Penny and Carson. Dan, uh, let's go to you. Okay. So Penny, I've, I've definitely slacked off a good bit. I, I hit him hard before the NFL draft because I knew he he was a, a good player who was being underrated. Um, you know, you could pick him up in like the, you know, I don't know, seventh, eighth round, I believe it was. He was in the ninth round a lot. Ninth too. round, yeah, before the before the draft. You know, so that was that was something I was just hammering away at. Uh him and uh, uh Freeman. Freeman, yeah, Royce Freeman and um um uh, uh Johnson. You know, those guys I was hitting hard. I even took a couple stabs at uh, Ronald Jones. You know, because you want to you want to just buy the under, you know, under hyped backs um, that are coming out in the draft because some of them are going to go high, and when they do, all of a sudden their price is going to shoot up. So you know, you just buy a lot of shares of the ones that are you know getting the least hype, and I kind of weighed off the ones that were getting the most hype. Well, now you know Penny's been getting a lot of hype, so I've been kind of weighing off them a little bit, and I've been weighing off uh, Royce Freeman, and you know, as our price is starting to slip, then I'm starting to get more interested. But I'm still not quite to the point on Penny where I'm uh, I'm a buyer. Mike? I mean, I'll buy Penny, Carson, even, um, what's his name? Procise. Um, if they fall past ADP, you know, if Penny's in the fifth round, Carson, I see him 11 or 12, Procise at the end of the draft. Um, yeah. You know, I'll grab them. It, it's not uh, something that I consider really important. It's not a priority to me. But if they're falling, I'm, I'll, I'll, then I'll reach out and grab. Really, the only Seattle player that I that is a priority for me is Tyler Lockett. Um, and that's partially because of the opportunity, partially because he's finally healthy, and because Jimmy Graham's gone, Paul Richardson's gone, and Doug Baldwin's a little injured. He has the possibility of starting the season as their legitimately only healthy pass catcher. Um, so to me, that's attractive in the 12th to 13th round. So he's the only guy that I'm going out of my way to, to scoop up in Seattle. Yeah, ultimately for me, the running backs, you know, like I like Carson a lot, but I either, you know, for a while I was taking Gore and Sproles late as my last guy. So I wasn't, you know, like that's the area where I'm taking, where Carson was in the 12th, 13th. That's where I take my tight ends. That's where I, you know, my second and third tight end, my second quarterback. Um, so I I wanted to take more Carson. I just didn't. But now that the hype is is got him moving into the single digits, I'm not real interested. Um, and ultimately, I think both of them are going to play and I think both of them are going to play, but you're also going to have McKissick, you're going to have Procise. Um And, again, I think that that's just not going to be a really good team this year. And, you know, running backs, you know, especially Penny, uh, you know, he, he, can he catch? Maybe. Uh, but to take a guy like that, um, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not that far off of even weight on Penny, so it's not like I'm just – completely against him he's that guy that we talked about earlier where i tried to stay close to even weight just in case i'm wrong 
Um, so that's my feeling on Penny. Um, yeah, all right, and, and and Carson ahead, really, I mean, you know, he's a he's a guy that it's just hard to it's hard to buy him, you know, holding on to that job for a long time. You know, when but you say both, you know his that that his big in is his pass protection. I mean, that's just it's just a matter of time, I think, until Penny gets up to speed on that, or Penny's you know big playability uh, makes Pete Carroll say. Well, Russell Wilson can take care of himself. He can run around good. We don't care. <laughs> Throw him out. Well, there. you know, my <laughs> I, my prediction, my bold call on on Seattle is they both play just enough to make each other probably, you know, they might pay off their ADP, but I don't see them crushing ADP. And when no. you look at where when you, when and when you look at where Penny's going, even in the fifth round. You know, there's yeah. Deion Lewis. There's a bunch of good running backs. I mean, uh, wide receivers. Um, so, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not real. You know, even though you know, I kept up around even weight on him, but I'm not super worried on him. Uh, we also right. talked about the situation. You want to aim I'm higher? Glad, yeah, I, I'm glad. With, you know, look, I, I think look, he could, but I think there's enough. I can tell myself enough stories about how that whole. Uh, running game could be a mess this year to where I don't feel like I'm missing out. And again, right now they're talking about Procise being the third down guy. So what we're talking about here is two guys fighting over first and second down. Um, yeah. You know, first and second down carries and, and a couple passes on a team that might be behind enough in the second half where they're not even on the field. So um yeah um that that's my thought there. Um I mentioned earlier my fear about uh, Doug Baldwin because Pete Carroll, let me see if I can find the quote. You know, it it was the equivalent of a nuclear bomb going off because you know, it's like what's wrong with this picture? What's wrong with it is I I don't know that I've ever heard Pete Carroll say anything negative. Right. Yeah. He, he said Pete Pete Carroll said he has no worry about Doug Baldwin. That was uh, that was the second one, but his original comments, the one. Let me see. Recent news. Pete Carroll said he came into camp a little bit off, so he just want to make sure we take care of it. We know exactly what's going on. Hold on. There was another quote though that he said. I, I I can't find it on Roto World, but I saw it where he basically said something to the effect of, you know, that there, it was an issue. So, you know, that that was a big thing. So, where are you taking uh, Baldwin now, Mike? Uh, and uh, yeah, go ahead. Baldwin is a guy I've been pretty off so far this year. Um, in fact, just looking now, I have. Two shares of Doug Baldwin, so it's about 1.2%. Um, I've not been taking him, especially after I, I was his biggest guy last year. Um, I just am, I'm concerned with him. I'm concerned with that team, frankly. And I have a hard time taking him in the third, given who else is there. Frankly, I have a hard time taking him in the fourth, given who else is there. Um, with the knee now, honestly... He would be a late fourth, early fifth guy to me. And, again, he's never going to get there. Um, that's where Dan? I feel comfortable taking him. Yeah, Dan, I've kind of hit pause you? on Baldwin for now. I'm slightly underweight. I'm at 6%. And I'm I'm just not going to draft him for, you know, a little while, and I'm going to see where his ADP settles out. You know, if he starts slipping into the late fourth or something like that, then, yeah, I'll probably jump all over that. But, um until then, I you know there's there's enough uncertainty around him that I think I you know it just warrants dropping him down a little bit and and seeing what happens. All right, so um, we're pushing an hour here. So unfortunately, there were some situations that we're not going to get to in detail, but I want to get to them. Um, so what we're going to do is we're not going to make any comments. We're just going to say the round. Um, or yes, no, and just let's try and get through um, these guys. So uh, T.Y. Hilton, let's do some Colts. T.Y. Hilton, uh, 
Dan, you're buying the move. How early is the earliest you'll take him? And then we'll go to Mike. I'll chase him into the second. He's in the third right now, but I'll chase him into the second. I'm buying. Mike? Uh, he was a mid-fourth. That's why I don't have any, but now I will take him into the mid-third. Uh, Andrew Luck. Oh, let me give Hilton. I, I, I'm, I, I would take Hilton on the turn. Um, I, I, you know, I, I would take him on the turn. Go. Uh, let's go with uh, Dan on Luck. Strong by. He's throwing. He's going to play in the first preseason game. I mean, and and he, that's not a number, Dan. I'm sorry. We have to break you up. Uh, how, how how far will you will you will you uh, chase him? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put him in the breeze tier. So, uh, breeze is going in the eighth or ninth. And I think that's where, uh, luck belongs to, uh, Mike. Yeah, I, I've got him right after breeze. So I would say about late ninth is where I would look to take him. Yep. And I haven't seen him really move yet. So, um, I, I, I'm buying some, uh, he's another guy that I was trying to stay even on and I ended up a little under, uh, Wilkins and uh, Hines. Um, we can talk a little bit about them. Uh, Mike, uh, give me 30 seconds on those two guys. Um, Wilkins is a dart throw because he might end up getting a bigger role playing that, um, uh, what is it, Jordan Todman role while he's gone on suspension. Um, or do I have the wrong bad Colts running back? Um, nope. Anyway. Uh, so I, I can see him being the power back, um, even though he's not really a power back, but he is kind of the biggest one there. Um, and the more the guy I'm far more interested in is Hines. Um, I'm sitting at about 18% of them. I think he's going to be uh, kind of a Swiss Army knife, what like he was at NC State. I think they're going to use him. He's going to get you know five or seven carries a game, maybe four or five catches a game. They're going to try and get him in space, get him matched up on linebackers, get him on screens, and I think that's going to open up the field, and he's going to have some big weeks. Um, but I kind of have him projected for about 10 touches, and I really like him um, starting any time in the mid to late 10th round. Typically, this was around the 11th, but late 10th round, I'll start thinking about him, and once we hit the 11th, if he's around, I will gladly take him. I will say that um, I'm definitely starting to take some Wilkins. Um, they've shown that Mac is a guy that they really don't trust. Um, he gets too many negative plays, and I think Wilkins is that best guy to replace uh, Gore. So I am taking some Hines. I have seven percent of. Wish I had a little more. Uh, Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you over to the Ravens. Um, Collins is moving up. How far will you chase him? And, uh, yeah, how far will you chase him? Okay, people are going to say I'm crazy. I'll, I'll chase Collins all the way up into the second round. I mean, I think this guy has everything you're looking for. Um, you know, he's got Kenneth Dixon, who is more boogeyman than actual threat. You know, he's just somebody <laughs> that they tell stories about, you know. It, <laughs> the guy, The guy just finds ways to stay off of the field constantly, whether it be injury, whether it be suspension, you know, I mean, he can, he can find a hundred ways to stay off the field. So I don't care about Dixon, uh, Buck Allen, they've tried him, you know, they'll use him in a pinch, but I mean, Collins really became the workhorse at the end of last year. They did not draft another running back. He can play in the passing game. He can, he can play at the goal line. He can sustain drives. He's everything you are looking for in a running back. The only thing he doesn't have is a long track record. And, you know, that's he's just got everything I want, and so I'm just going to keep pounding away, pounding, pounding, pounding on Collins. Yeah, I haven't done enough of that. Um, that, that, that could be one of my big regrets of the year. But, uh, you know, uh, when he was in the fifth, I, I think I should have uh, – He's just a guy, you know, Baltimore, it just seems like every year there's a guy and then he's not the guy. And But anyway, um, last subject that we're going to do is Jaguars wide receivers. Mike, let's keep this short and just tell me who's your favorite 
And uh, because Westbrook and Cole, who used to go in the 13th, 14th early, are both in the 17th round. I, I, I don't mind buying either of them there. Which one's your favorite? Moncrief is still there. Tell us who's your favorite. Uh, right now, my favorite's Moncrief. Um, he's creeping up to about 9% right now in terms of ownership. Um, if you look at the projections right now and the depth chart, he's starting opposite Marquise Lee. Uh, with the exception of Lee, Moncrief, Cole, uh, Westbrook, and DJ Chark are all going either 15th round or later. So I'm going to take the starter. I'm going to take the guy who I've seen perform well in the past um, when healthy, again, when healthy, um, at that discounted value. Um, getting the wide receiver two, which I think he's going to end up being in the 16th or 17th round, is something I'm, I'm warming up to. That made no sense to me when they signed him. Um, that could be one of those situations that I was talking about earlier where you know, just because they threw money at him doesn't make him any better than he was the last couple of years in Indy. Uh, I think that's a team that wants to run the ball. Uh, I have 9% of them, too. So uh, it's funny <laughs> how we could have two completely different opinions, but the same right? frickin' ownership. Um, <laughs> I, I, Dan, I'm at 11% on Moncrief and 11% on Cole. I think Cole is probably, uh, you know, he's the guy I think is actually the most talented um, out of all of them, and Moncrief is the one they're paying the most, so I'm kind of, you know, splitting the difference between them. Guys, I really appreciated you helping me go through ADP this year. <clears throat> Maybe we'll slip in one more after a couple of preseason games or get you guys on for, um, you know, just uh, <clears throat> kind of a wrap-up of the year. But uh, I appreciate your contributions to this pod this year. You guys have been regular guests. You've done an excellent job. Follow Mike C. Oliva on Twitter. Follow Overhype Sleeper without the E on the end for Dan. Um, I'm Todd Burrows, T-O-D, from P-A, Todd with one D. If you would do me the kindness, if you like the best ball drafts, um, let the people at Fanball know that you liked what I did this year. And also, more importantly, go to uh, iTunes and rate uh, the podcast. I don't ask every week because um, I find it invasive when you go to listen to pods and every week that's all they talk about. Um, but um, every once in a while I do like to beg. I mean ask. So if you would be willing to do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. That'll do it for this week's episode. Um, next week, maybe we'll be doing the rookies again. I think it would be a good time to try and get Elliot back if I can get him. Um, I'm Todd. We're out. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.